0: Jets fans, Winnipeg has made its final roster selection, and there are some good points and maybe some things that are going to be a little bit disappointing, depending on who you were were hoping was going to make the cut and which arrangements you were expecting for the depth players and maybe some of the depth defenders. We'll talk about what this means for the Jets and maybe some concerns about this season all on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets You'll always stay up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, but most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, obviously, on tonight's episode, we're going to be diving into Winnipeg's roster situation and talking about some some positive takeaways and maybe some things that are a little bit concerning uh, as we head into the start of Winnipeg season this Friday. Now, I'm not going to be like all doom and gloom, but obviously um, there were some sundowns and some exclusions and things that I haven't really been super thrilled with, uh, especially based on like preseason camps and what we've seen previously in other seasons with some of the players. We'll also talk about some stuff later this episode, uh, just the start of the season, and some early observations from a couple of teams. But let's start off with the Jets. Uh, Per Mike McIntyre, who is uh, in Banff right now, and he uh, got the chance to watch the Jets do some practice skates, we have... Well, basically, the official rosters as submitted to the NHL, uh, as it stands right now, the line arrangements are more or less pretty similar to what we've we've talked about before. The first line is Connor Shively, Aylers. Second line is Perfetti, Dubois, Wheeler. Third line is Baron, Lowry, Appleton, and the fourth line is Mannelinen, Gustafson, and Toninato and or Gagne, depending on uh, when they start mixing it up. On defense, they've got Morrissey and Demello, Dylan Pionk and Stanley and Schmidt. Now, I want to save the defense for later this episode. Let's focus on the forwards first. Uh, This is probably the most mixed bag because um, I think there's a legitimately decent grouping here, but the problem with Winnipeg that they're going to face this year is that finishing talent is in short supply. Uh, That's why kind of seeing Gagne being the guy who cycled in and rotated in doesn't really fill me with a, with a a lot of optimism. Gagne was one of the few players signed who I think is an immediate shooting percentage kind of guy for this team, a natural finisher, a great playmaker, somebody that you can plug in and play on the power play or at even strength, and he'll do a pretty reasonable job. Uh, you're not really expecting like an elite goal scorer here, but you know, 30, 40 points for a player of his caliber, if you give him the right ice time, I think would be really reasonable to expect. Um, but you know, the the first line I think is one of the most interesting units, Connor, Shifley, and Ealers. I think this unit has the potential to be offensively dominant, but I think the biggest question is, defensively, what's going to happen? Uh, we've seen and Ehlers, for all of his offensive talent, he's the kind of guy who doesn't really defend and is more of a uh, defense through offense kind of thing. You know, keeping the puck up the ice, creating transition opportunities and, uh, you know, doing a lot of offensive zone work rather than, you know, defensive coverages and back back checking and stuff. That's less of his game, even though he does actually work pretty hard to put in those shifts. So I think this first line, uh, Connor obviously is who he is at this point. I do think Shifley could be at least slightly more impactful defensively, maybe just doing a few more back checks, trying to force some turnovers. I'm not really asking the world from this unit, but you just don't want to spend like, five minutes of ice time in your own zone, right? That's what you want to avoid. Um, in, in previous seasons, when we've had Connor Shifley and Wheeler together, that unit spent so much time in front of Hellebuck that honestly, any any sort of like offensive impact they brought was basically negated almost immediately. And in fact, you know, spending so much time in the defensive zone, it probably uh, gave net negative value to Winnipeg's entire um, attack. So Yeah, this line, Connor Shively Ehlers, I think is going to do a much better job, but it remains to be seen just how uh, improved this defensive coverage is. I do think that the scoring rates are going to pick up pretty drastically. Ehlers being plugged in here is a huge upgrade, and so I'm hoping that it's going to carry uh, what could be a little bit of a top-heavy roster in the goal-scoring department. Now, the second line, Perfetti Dubois-Wheeler, uh, this unit is is solid um I, I think one of the biggest issues with this this particular grouping um uh and apologies we may have just lost you for a minute uh what i was just saying is i think if we're looking at Perfetti, dubois and wheeler uh this trio is solid in passing and space creation but in terms of like elite finishing talent so far dubois is the only guy of the three who i would say probably fits into that category i think Perfetti can be a natural shooter. I think Wheeler can probably finish some really nice opportunities. But for the most part, you don't have a trigger man like you would in Connor, which makes me wonder if swapping Connor and Perfetti would make the most sense. Um, that said, it sounds like Perfetti, Dubois, and Wheeler are going to be the default unit that a Bonus starts off with first. It wouldn't be the worst idea to maybe make some changes once they get inside some games, especially if they want to kind of like balance the top nine, because uh, it's basically like the first line elite shooting talent, second line really good playmaking talent, and then you get down to the third line and you start to realize Winnipeg might have some uh, balancing issues. We'll talk about what those are in just a little bit and, and kind of go through why Winnipeg's bottom six is going to be really decent defensively, but in terms of offensive production, we're looking at a pretty lean season. Before we get into that, though, I do want to shout out one of our wonderful partners at SimpliSafe. Uh, obviously, you know, the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At SimpliSafe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I've seen plenty of my friends use SimpliSafe. Uh, And obviously there are plenty of reviews out there and simply safe is really great because they protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 seven professional monitoring agents who always have your back. If you're wondering what exactly makes this service so great, well, like i said they've got 24/7 professional monitoring so they have agents who are always on standby to call you if any trouble is detected and if there is any sort of threat on their radar they immediately dispatch police or first responders even if you're away from your house so that you'll always have somebody keeping out uh, keeping an eye on you and your home no matter what you know state you might be in or even what country you're in Simply Safe also blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every single room, window, and door. They've got HD security cameras for inside and outside as well. And uh, if you have their app installed, you'll, you'll be able to see live security cam footage. So even if you, uh, you, you might feel comfortable with somebody else watching your home, you can tab in just a little bit and see what's going on when you're away from home. Now it really can't be easier to get started. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/lockedonnhl. You'll also be able to save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com/lockedonnhl to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Like I said earlier, we're talking about Winnipeg's roster and and some early thoughts about the the group that they're sending into the um, opening of this season on Friday. So, yeah, we talked about the the top six maybe being a little bit one-line-ish. I wouldn't say it's like one line exactly because the second line is a really skilled unit, but it's just in finishing talent that I think the Jets are going to really struggle. Um, in the bottom six, you've got Baron Lowry, and Appleton as a unit, and then and Gustafsson, and Toninato or Gagne as your fourth. I I'm struggling with this unit a little bit just because I feel like there's a lot of really good two-way and defensive talent, but in terms of offensive production, you're just not really seeing a lot. If I if it were me I would probably go with like Baron, Lowry and Gagne uh, or maybe even and Lowry and Gagne and then look at uh maybe Baron Gustafson and uh Appleton or something. It's just no matter what you do with this 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 bottom six you're faced with the stark reality that offensively the Jets are going to really struggle to get goals unless they just constantly shovel stuff past keepers and and try to create offense that way. But I think in terms of elite finishing talent, Winnipeg just doesn't have it. Um, and that's why, like, Lambert, I was hoping, would make the team. I think Brad is a natural finisher, and it's also a reason I've really been endorsing the idea of Heinlein making this team, because I think Winnipeg has this mistaken belief that, you know, all of the guys competing for that final defender spot are are also really bringing a lot of defensive value No one, not even Sandberg at his best, is really doing that much defensively to begin with. And so I think if you're looking to try and compromise somewhere, go for a more offensively aggressive unit. Go for somebody who's got that puck movement, that vision, that skill to create opportunities, because quite honestly, the forward unit is going to need some serious help. Um, And, you know, the Jets defenders for as decent as a couple of them are, you know, as a whole, we're looking at a unit that is still lacking like that elite number one high-end franchise defender with endless offensive potential. So yeah, it's. I don't want to get you down in the dumps, but I do think you might have to start thinking about Winnipeg mostly being like a 1-0 or 2-1 win kind of team rather than a squad that is going to be blitzing opponents unless Connor Shifley and Ailers really just rake it in. Um, on defense, you know, kind of like the, the less than optimal situation we've got with the forwards, you know, the blue line is also not super ideal. Um, Morrissey and DeMello anchor the first pairing, which is fine. That's a really good duo. I don't think there's anything you really have to do with it. Um, Dylan Pionk. mm, I mean, as a second pairing, it's, it's fine. It really depends on what kind of season Pionk has. Dylan, I don't really have any questions with. I think he'll do uh, actually pretty well under bonus. But Pionk, you know, you kind of need him to settle down and go back to that North Division dominance where he was a really solid second pairing guy with a great shot, um, really nice transition game, and wasn't afraid to use his body effectively against some frankly star players. But, you know, since his last injuries and stuff, Pionk's game definitely shifted a bit, and I I kind of wonder what version of him this year we're going to see. Now, the last pairing, and this one is the one that's gotten Jets Twitter kind of in a a bit of a turmoil, it's Stanley Schmidt. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I've lost the ability to be really pissed about the Jets making suboptimal decisions. I I think the past few years of, of inactivity and just kind of cycling through the same teams and stuff. At this point, I just kind of accept that it's going to be something that you get when you bargain to like this team, but all that said, I kind of wonder why Stanley has earned the final spot if the Jets are serious about this being a team where you earn your ice time and where you really fight on every shift. Now, I think Logan works incredibly hard, Um, and since he was drafted, he's come a very long way. And in fact, there are instances where Logan can pull off some really ni- nice plays when he's capable of using his physicality and defensive positioning effectively. But the problem is there are so many instances where he doesn't. And while I don't know that Heinlein necessarily brings stellar defensive value, I do kind of look at Sandberg as a guy who would do a better job than Logan here. And Sandberg right now is kind of slated to sit in the you know press box. So I'm kind of wondering what is going on with that? Uh, Heinle, they've they've wanted to get into game time one way or another, so it sounds like they do at some point expect him to come back up, but if Sandberg is sitting, what is that doing for his development? Why is he the guy who's considered the extra defender? Now, the, the one part of me wonders if Stanley is trying to be showcased for some kind of a trade or something, but at this point, why haven't they already taken care of that? And my broader question for this team is, what do they even think this team is capable of? I mean, it's it's very tight for them to even make the playoffs, and that's with like no injuries. With the likelihood that somebody's going to go down, maybe somebody even really important for this team, I just have a really hard time seeing this Jets team getting past Minnesota, St. Louis, um, Nashville. Obviously the Avs are are a joke. We're not even talking about that, but you know, the middle portion of the central division is going to be a brick wall for this jets team. If they're not getting a lot of offensive contributions up and down the lineup. So uh, I think we really need to see Lambert kind of rake it in at the end, uh, at the AHL level, maybe even guys like Reichel or some other players who can bring some real offensive skill because Winnipeg's depth lines, as it is, they're they're um, they're not so good. Uh, and that kind of makes me think the Jets are slated for somewhere between fourth and fifth in the Central. If it gets really dire, they might even slip to sixth, and it really wouldn't shock me. This Jets team is barely better than the Stars. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be a long year if this team isn't capable of finding um, some really good help from outside. Like I said, Puyo Yarvi, he's right there. He's really cheap, and he offers a lot of skills that I think Winnipeg is lacking in. But, you know, Winnipeg is going to do what they do. I think they'll try and solve things internally. And so all we can kind of do is hope that Bonus is able to harness the most out of this team and that Hellebuck is back to a Vesna winning year because ultimately I think Helly is going to have to cover a lot of this team's offensive and defensive woes. But, you know, I'm not going to write the season off yet. We haven't even seen a first official game with bonus beyond just preseason, so uh, I'll give it a little bit more time. But I, I think my expectations are probably a little bit more modest. But we'll kind of wait until the game or until the season kicks off and, and give our thoughts then. For now, though, I do want to transition to just giving some quick thoughts on the start of the NHL season and some thoughts of what I've seen so far from just the one game that I've been able to catch. We'll talk about L.A. versus the Vegas Golden Knights in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Jets. We are closing out tonight's episode with some final thoughts on the, the start of the, to the NHL season so far. Um, it's been a bit of an, an, an interesting one. I think the, you know that the NHL kicked off games in the Czech Republic, but apparently people couldn't even see that, so... It was very difficult to even get viewership overseas and for North American fans. And it kind of feels like a bit of a muted start for the league. We had a, a couple of games, um, on Tuesday night, you know, Tampa Bay took on New York and ended up losing three to one. Uh, that one I didn't actually get to see, but the game that I watched was, um, the, the, the Kings versus the golden Knights. And this one was a lot of fun. If you missed out and you didn't see it, it's worth checking out the highlights. Um, the long and short of it is that Vegas pretty much controlled even strength play the whole night, barring like a few minutes where L.A. had uh, some really good shifts towards the start of the game and towards the end of the game. It was for the most of uh, most of the three periods, Vegas's game to lose. But Jonathan Quick made a number of really fabulous saves. Vegas was maybe a little bit unlucky here and there. And honestly, I. Um, some of their their top-end finishers struggle to find those those shooting lanes and stuff. It is still just the first game of the season. Guys are still just shaking off preseason rust. So not really anything to read too much into. I think the main thing that you want to see is that Vegas' lines are pretty balanced, and they were rolling them pretty consistently, creating waves of offensive pressure uh, and generating tons of slot offense. Now, how much of that was dangerous? I would be very curious to see. I think they probably had a great showing and expected goals, but um, yeah, Uh, it it really kind of took a number of miscues from the Kings to finally give Vegas the win, and the worst one came on a a breakout pass after Sean Dirtsey had been sitting behind the Kings net for several seconds waiting for this breakout, and he tried some stretch pass to the neutral zone, which I don't really know why he opted for this. I don't know why the Kings were going for something like this with only like 25 seconds in the game left, especially when it was clear that Vegas had tons of guys in the neutral zone and LA was basically in front of quick for the most part. Suddenly, you know, the, the Knights pick it off with that man advantage in the neutral zone. They counter and they score in the last 25 seconds game over uh, the Kings for their part. I mean, it was mostly just a survive kind of situation You know, you hope to absorb the pressure, maybe hit back on a couple of counters. Uh, They had some really amazing puck plays on the power play and on some of the goal scoring chances that they created. Uh, I had one particular moment where Dirtsey then passed to uh, Kopitar on a great feed. Kopitar waits Logan Thompson out as he kind of flounders in the net, net, drags it around and slaps a very easy pass right to Kempe who had an open net and it was just like tic-tac goal in a beautiful move. But... Um, other than that, LA really struggled. I mean, it's one of those situations where you're not surprised. I think the guys of, of of the new acquisitions like Fiala and Arvidsson, they acquitted themselves well enough, but you know, certainly they're still coming to grips with this team and, you know, maybe had quieter nights by their standards, but still you're, you're kind of seeing them start to create those spaces, start to get into those dangerous passing and shooting shooting lanes. And if you're Todd McClellan, that's kind of all you can ask for right now as you're sort of uh, warming up the, the season. I think one of the most exciting things for Kings fans is going to be what Byfield can do and also what Villardi is showing off, which is some really nice skill. He just kind of has to stay healthy and he could become a really big contributor. Kali also ended up scoring a nice goal. Um, and I think, Arthur, the season is expected to be one of their top finishers in the bottom six. Again, you know, I feel like the Kings are a good model of what I wish the Jets would do more often, which is give your kids a good chance to bloom, especially under a coach that is really willing to give them those roster spots and let them earn it and let them make mistakes. I think one of the things that Jets fans are constantly harping on is young players like Heinela and some of the others making mistakes. It's not so much that you just make a mistake. It's how you clean up after it, how you answer those following shifts. And there are some players on this team that just continually make the same mistakes, not because they're trying to, but just because they maybe have a certain trait or a skill set that doesn't really match um, well against, you know, the the way the league is moving. So I don't know if the Jets are ever going to figure that out or if they're just going to keep trying to extract value out of these players, even if some of them Might not really make sense for the future of the score, but it is what it is. Uh, Some days you just kind of have to smile and wave and and sort of understand that it is something that you bargain for when you become a fan. But uh, let me know what you think about the start of the season, what you're expecting with this roster, how you feel about it, how you feel about Winnipeg's playoff odds. Let me know in the YouTube comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Winnipeg Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you bring your fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go.